0: episode one of "Find Things Well, a podcast celebrating the series, Our Flag Means Death in all its magnificent fuckery. Before we dive into our discussion about the pilot, we are really excited to introduce you to our crew. So we're going to start with our names, pronouns, how we got into the show. My dear darling friend co-host, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Of course. My name is Abigail. My pronouns are they, them, and I am an elementary school educator and a fandom content creator. I host Saving People Queering Things, which is a Supernatural rewatch podcast along with Elena. (laughs) And because the slippery slope of the universe bends towards all queer people who are into Supernatural also being into our flag means death, I was beyond thrilled when Elena invited me to be a part of this project and this crew.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a lovely segue, thank you. I am Elena, my pronouns are she and they, and I am a writer and fandom content creator. came across this show because <laughs> no one on my timeline would shut the hell up about it. And it I contribute it back to a single TikTok I saw. I remember the TikTok I saw that made me hit pause on the TikTok, go to HBO Max, and then several hours later, In a stupor after having watched the whole thing in one sitting, I reopened TikTok and was like, oh, this is that Hufflepuff Hunter video that got me So so they are responsible.
1: Ultimately, they are responsible for this podcast existence. Yeah.
0: So I'm probably gonna tag them in this because I love their (laughs) supernatural TikTok content, but they are it's they're kind of their fault. Um but yeah. And then I, like I said, I got super into it. It ate all my brain cells. And then I hit up Abigail, who we became friends with because of the Supernatural podcast that they produce, um, and which I get to be part of now, which blows my mind and is very exciting all the time. And I was like, hi, please join me for Gay Pirates. And they said, sure. And here we are. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for joining me.
1: I'm so, so, so excited for this. Now that y'all know who we are, we're going to share a bit more about the show that has brought this all on and why we felt like starting another podcast to talk all about it.
0: Yes. So going into that, just going to give you a brief overview of our flag means death affectionately OFMD every time I see that phrase on uh, like the just the abbreviation on Twitter I'm, I'm always just like oh like I always try to say it <laughs> I'm surprised you tried
1: to pronounce it because I thought when I try to pronounce it I trip all the way over it yeah on my I
0: <laughs> like it it's funny to me because it looks kind of like the phrase OMFG It's like the same, like, not exact same, but like really similar structure, and so that always makes me giggle. But Our Flag Means Death is a queer-inclusive, half-hour scripted, romantic comedy series about the gentleman pirate Steve Bonnet and his ragtag crew of fellow half-assed pirates, and their ensuing adventures with Edward Teach, more infamously known as Blackbeard.
1: Over the course of this podcast, we're gonna be exploring episode by episode breakdowns of the entire first season, where we will talk about beloved characters, favorite moments, and all of the glimpses of hope that this show is giving us for the future of queer media.
0: It's such an exciting time to be alive, seeing this well-rounded cast of very unapologetic, very queer characters that are just like, hey, all that queer baiting shit that we used to do in the past, we're leaving it behind. In 2022
1: as a queer person in the world in general right now it's
0: it's a lot it
1: can be, it's a lot it can be scary and it can really really suck this show is like a breath of like fresh air and hope
0: mm-hmm. it's it's gorgeous the way that i've seen fans responding to it and i think people are kind of shocked at how it's exploded but it just to me whenever i think about it it's just this is the show that a lot of us have been waiting for mm-hmm. you know it's it's this series that is not afraid to say what it is as opposed to countless shows in the past and and good shows too Mm -hmm. but that are just very heavily queer baited and we don't see any of that in this so this is actually um a really good way to segue into our next segment which is going to be for news and yeah abigail is gonna tell us a little bit more about what's on deck. So what's on deck? This part of the show is going to be where we'll
1: share any latest news about the series that may have dropped and also where we want to open the floor to listeners to send us questions, theories, anything else you'd like that spreads the love for Our Flag Means Death. At the time of this recording, Our Flag Means Death has been out for about a month. It is getting wild critical acclaim and wild amounts of fandom content and enthusiasm in fan spaces about it. Um, but even beyond just fandom spaces, I think it's it's seeping into popular culture as a whole. The amount of people that I've heard about the show from that aren't active in online fandom spaces is quite a lot. I had one of my close friends text mm-hmm. me and be like, you are going to love this show if you haven't already seen it. Um, that happened to me
0: just earlier today. I was texting yeah. a friend I haven't talked to in a while <laughs> and we were talking about shows and I was like, move our flag means death to the top of your list. I 97 out of 10 recommend. Yeah. So
1: obviously, being that this is our first episode, we don't have any listener thoughts to share yet, but Elena, I know you have another newsworthy item that you wanted
0: to share. Yes. So it's not exactly, you know, big splashing news uh, in that it's telling us more about season two, which at the time of this recording, there is not a renewal for season two. So if you're listening and you care about this, you know, wonderful show that HBO Max is giving us, we're not letting this show get...
1: The treatment of other shows that has have died after first amazing seasons cough <clears throat> not saying any other names because i don't want to put a curse on us um our friend yeah that's going to come back we're getting a second season
0: yeah it's we that. really want to see this show renewed so that one we have more gay pirate content to talk about uh to see reason one um we just want more gay pirate stuff to talk about that's it that's
1: the whole reason
0: reason. one thing I did want to mention is that even though the show ended on March 24th with its first season that was when they released the last batch of the episodes and that was exactly a month to the day that this episode of our podcast is coming out April 24th so that's kind of a nice little it only took us a month to get this off the ground but what can we say we're enthusiastic uh and so is everybody else it would seem because <laughs> even though the show ended its first season three weeks ago it is currently still trending number one like in terms of streaming platforms in terms of hbo's viewership even over shows like moon Knight, which is a Marvel show and is, you know, Marvel just dominates everything when it comes to pop culture. It's always like the most viewed, most talked about biggest box office numbers. And this little show that could, that spent like no dollars on marketing has somehow managed to become this behemoth that is now three weeks after it ended, still the number one show above all of these other really awesome shows. And it's just, it's blowing my mind that it's, it's done so well. And seeing the way that the, not just the fandom has reacted, but the actors and the crew are reacting. I think they're all as surprised as we are that this has blown up. They didn't, I don't think, realize how much the show was gonna mean to people. They were just like, yeah, let's make this weird little pirate thing. And then it ended up being a source of validation for generations worth of queer people who were like, wait a minute, they are, they are in love. The the showrunners are gonna say that canonically. And, and in and in media interviews
1: in it's not just canonical within the show. It's also like explicitly celebrated by the cast and crew, yeah, in really, really lovely ways. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice.
0: It's been magical. And I just wanted to mention that because I just think it's really, it speaks to the power of word of mouth tremendously because that is literally how this show has gotten out there. Not because HBO poured all this money into marketing it, because honestly, I didn't know it existed until the week that the finale dropped. And that was because it was already in that month that it started airing, it was everywhere. It was on my Tumblr feed, my TikTok, my Twitter. It was just, Everyone was talking about it and I needed to know what the heck was going on. And I'm so glad I found out because here we are, uh, which, yeah is a great means to shuffle us into our next segment, which is gonna be our main discussion uh, about the episode. We're gonna be talking about the pilot today. And we have a bunch of fun little things that we wanted to mention. Uh, but for this start of the discussion, what I wanted to do is read us the description that we have on HBO's website. So HBO has this little you know, one-liner that's like spoiler free that just kind of is supposed to tell you what the episode is. And I thought it would be fun if we rated on a scale of one to five, how many stars we would give this summary and its ability to sum up the episode, like, does it do a good <laughs> job? Does it do a bad job? Does it actually say what happens? Or <laughs> is it more of just a, we can't tell them all the awesome stuff that's going to happen? So would, let's be- would we, would,
1: we, would we watch it based on this description alone?
0: Yeah. So our description for this pilot episode is- Aristocrat turned pirate captain Steve Bonnet is put to the test when his crew encounters a British naval vessel on a scale of one to five. How do we feel?
1: Okay. So it's spoiler-free. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell you anything that is is important to the episode itself. <laughs> I will it loses points for being such an incredibly boring summary, personally. <laughs> I think it's yeah. incredibly. Boring. I would not want like if I knew nothing about this show if this if I just saw like the title would pull me in but if I read that description and I didn't have like a reason to assume it was going to be interesting I'd be like yeah okay it's not sparking my interest in any significant way it's not zesty it's not zesty is a good word it's not zesty I think you know I'd probably give it like a 2.5 out of five.
0: Oh, oh you're more generous points. than i i would give it a two at best yeah, yeah it, it's because it's just it doesn't tell you really anything it's no i mean it it, it does that's it the funny thing about plot it It plot, does one plot point but it's not the most
1: interesting plot point of the episode
0: No, it for doesn't me, keep your interest
1: for the most interesting plot point it's
0: all the build-up that you get to the british naval vessel thing that, that i think makes this episode really shine and is the reason that I got so hooked on it so quickly
1: it's a character introduction episode and that description does not give us anything about the crew and the crew is the shining star of this episode it is the it is a character introduction to steed and to everyone else like everyone gets good introductions in this episode and this summary doesn't tell you that the crew is going to be cool it kind of focuses it entirely on Steed and like Steed is the main character yeah but everyone else gets a lot of screen time
0: And also when you look at the poster, I think it's very interesting because, you know, he is front and center giving this salute that I just did, even though none of you listeners can see it,
1: but (laughs) it was, it was nice though. I appreciated it,
0: (laughs) but you know, you see him with all of these characters posed around him. And the thing that's so funny to me is they all look one of two things on that poster. (laughs) They either look crazy or they look disgruntled. And that's, that's the essence of the show. It's crazy and disgruntled, but also gay and it's yeah 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 so i i think a low a low star rating for this particular description it it doesn't it does this description does not pull me in it was the massive amount of buzz i was seeing around it and the fan edits that i saw that almost spoiled stuff for me but i managed to avoid it just far enough like i got far enough into the clip of steed and ed before i was like wait no, like wait, can't do this. I'm like, I it, think they actually love each other and I don't want it spoiled. I want to be able to experience that organically.
1: It, it's interesting because like this description is not great. but the promo stuff and the promo stuff like was good. I so my partner actually found like back when this show was like long before it was coming out, when it was like the first promos were coming out for it. he had found it because he really likes Watiti. and so he had found it and and had been like, this is a show we're going to watch when the show comes out, we are going to watch it. And so anytime there would be news about it, I would hear about it. And like, That's the fine. title. so I, I, I knew the show was coming,
0: hmm. but I, and so I yeah, was, I didn't, I had no idea this was happening, yeah. which is a shame because I love Taika, but I just had no clue. And I think
1: that this showed, I think in that sense, the promos, I mean, obviously they didn't get out to a huge audience, but for, for promos, they were really good at piquing your interest Mm -hmm. like I definitely got that it was going to be this weird disgruntled (laughs) kind of ragtag crew of pirates (laughs) like you got that from the trailers but they didn't spoil a lot of the really big interesting stuff that the show was going to do and I think Mm -hmm. those promos did a really really good job so I wanted to point that out here because I think that despite this description being lackluster
0: <laughs> yeah. And what also somebody pointed this out, and we won't get deep into why, but it's interesting that Jim is not on the poster. It is very
1: interesting and we strategic.
0: Will, <laughs> we will get to that in some later episodes.
1: Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm gonna be obnoxious with how much I'm gonna want to talk about Jim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I promise um, you that. That was actually the first cast member. The first thing I saw once the show had released was mm-hmm. was tiktoks that showed up on my for you page <laughs> by the actor that plays jim that's beautiful. and i was seeing stuff that they make and them talking about the show so that was my first yeah. introduction to that character even prior to actually having watched the show introduction yeah. to their character vico
0: is insane and i love him. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um, i love how they are interacting with fans too it's it's fantastic we'll get to more of that but
0: One thing we also really wanted to do, uh, speaking of characters and actors that we love, that we wanted to introduce for the show, is to each week have each of our hosts decide who is the MVP of the episode, aka the most valuable pirate, because (laughs) we're all about puns here. That's all we're here for, is is gay pirate puns. So mine for this episode is definitely Olu, um, because first of all, he's he is a sweet angel who's never done anything wrong in his life I maintain and his moments with with Steed in this episode he's like the one person on the crew that's like you know Buttons is advocating for Steed but in a weirder way Olu is doing it because he like he sees that there's merits to this guy and that like it's not so bad with him around and he wants to keep him around. He's kind of like that one person that sort of stands apart from the rest of the crew in this episode in terms of like wanting to keep Steed around amidst the mutiny discussion. Yeah. And so he's absolutely he's most valuable pirate in my heart for this episode.
1: I love that. I love that. I'm going to go with Jim actually for this episode. And the reason is because doesn't put up with any racist shit. And sparks the whole, the whole thing, the whole situation going into shit um, in the most delightful way is because yep. Jim is like, nope, that's the line, that's the line. You were getting, mm-hmm. a, a, you were getting stabbed in the hand for that comment, and it was delightful and very satisfying. And
0: thank yeah. you, Jim. Poetry snaps for days. Jim <laughs> is also an angel who's never done anything wrong in their life,
1: despite <laughs> being terrible in this bowl that's terrifying it has like three shots but it's terrifying in all of them yeah the scariest character in this episode is jim yeah far not
0: jim is a soft murderous nugget and i absolutely love jim those are two valuable two valuable pirates So now that we've established who our MVPs are, we're going to get into discussing just the episode itself. Like, what did we think of it? How did it shirk the queer baiting mistakes of the past? How did it, you know, how enjoyable was it? Let's just, let's talk about this lovely, lovely pilot.
1: So starting like right from the beginning, the opening line on the screen of things did not go as planned, I think is a really nice setup for this story is not going to be what you expect. I think that's one of the things. Even in terms of when you think about queer baiting, you know, I, I think we're so used to seeing that oh, looks very queer to me, and then being disappointed because it isn't. Um, yeah. And this show already, like from it from the get go, is setting itself up as expect the unexpected.
0: Yeah, it's a really nice touch, I think. And the way that the font changes colors too to put the emphasis on things did not go as planned. Yes. yes. And I one of the notes that I had was I love how one of Steve's very first lines is this thing where he's talking, he's you know, hyping everybody up for this, <laughs> this raid that they're about to do and it may be perilous and all that. But he just goes, still others may come back looking totally fine, but mean mentally devastated by what they witnessed. Like to some me-
1: of y'all gonna need therapy some of y'all gonna need therapy but and
0: how it it's, is it's it's both it fits both canonically in the show talking about the characters and also somehow describes the fandom and how this <laughs> show ate every one of my brain cells that was remaining and i didn't have a lot of them to begin with because i am a long-term supernatural fan so <laughs> brain cells are few and far between yeah. at this point <laughs> but and just steed at the whole beginning of this episode, just I'll be your robber here today. It's they, he's so funny. I I loved him so so quickly. Yeah. Did I did I love this absolute idiot of a character? He's he walks the line like they walk the line with both the dialogue and I think also
1: the acting of lovable idiot. Yes, quite well. Um, because I think sometimes that character trope, it really depends on what the narrative believes about that character because if you get a show or a story where the narrative believes that character is kind of stupid um mm-hmm. and they're funny but they're stupid and the narrative is 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 making fun of them by showing them whereas with this show it feels like yes the narrative finds him funny yeah and finds some of his antics kind of amusing but the story doesn't isn't setting you him up to be the butt of the joke that's such and an interest- really like that.
0: Yeah, that's such an interesting distinction that you make that how the narrative treats him, because I feel like the narrative treats him very differently than the crew treats him. Yes, the crew thinks he's a joke. Yeah, the crew at this point in the show is like, this guy's an idiot, we need to get rid of him, mutiny for days. But you can tell that the people writing this story are already aware that there's something deeper going on within seed that he is a genuine character that they really want to explore and yeah he really has this quality of of, like you said that lovable idiot without without feeling like the narrative is joking about him Mm -hmm. and what this is one thing that i also really want to mention related to that that somebody pointed out in terms of representation for the show because the big thing that people have been talking about you know is the queer representation because you have several canonical queer couples throughout this show and lots of other characters who they don't explicitly stay it but they're very queer coded
1: yeah it's very and, fluid you get a lot of very fluid characters in this show where it's not
0: yeah yeah the fluidity is great uh, but the one other thing about in terms of representation also the fact that there are, are multiple characters of color and they're not just like these off to the side like prop characters they're really genuinely fleshed out people mm-hmm. but the one element of representation that surprised me the most was the fat representation because the I saw a Twitter thread and I really wish I remember who posted it. And so if that person ever listens to this podcast, I'm so sorry I didn't shout you out, but I can't remember your username. But it was a thread pointing out that the narrative never makes fun of these fat characters and they Mm -hmm. are Often the characters that are looked at very desirably. And I won't go yes. too much into that because there's some stuff that I you haven't even seen yet where these characters are are treated with such nuance and care. And somebody in the comments was like, Oh, well, you know, they make a fat joke in the very first episode about Steed. And I'm like, But the difference is the narrative is not making the, it's not not the making joke. It's it's the
1: narrative is not making the bully. villain. It's yeah. the bully. And it's like a character that is, is his entire representation in the episode is that of a bully and he's also a bully who gets his comeuppance exactly i have no like i -hmm. think in terms of that like if if that was a constant in the show if they were constantly bringing in bully characters that were making that that kind of but they don't they don't whereas they're using it very specifically to make a point that this Mm -hmm. guy is a bully and then and they. And the narrative obviously does, is not treating Steed that way.
0: The fact that anytime you have those mentioned, it is coming from a bully character. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that person gets what's coming to them is very top tier for me. And I was so pleasantly surprised by it because as a fat person, it is really frustrating to be made a joke in pretty much every piece of media that I've ever liked and this one doesn't do that. And it's just goes so far and above and beyond in terms of making the people that watch it feel joyfully seen in a way yes, that I've yes. literally never experienced with another show. And that was why I was like, I've been into this show for all of three weeks and I need a podcast about it because I care that much about it because it's, like the other shows that we both, you know, work on are shows that we've been invested in for a decade, at least. Yeah. And that just is really funny to me how quickly this show seized my heart and just won't give it back.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like, I think what you said, like that joyful representation, I think that's the key here is the narratives, the narrative of the show, when you look at it from this kind of big meta perspective from the terms of the creators and the writers, Mm -hmm. and then the tone that they're bringing to it is celebratory of these Mm -hmm. people, of their stories and of their individuality the show knows who its heroes are and knows yes. who we, who, we, who we, it wants us to care about. And it refuses to dehumanize any of those people. Mm-hmm. And and it makes sure that you know, and I think we're gonna talk about this, I think it's in episode two or three with also some of their indigenous representation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the same thing where they, they know the point they're making with the narrative. Even if the characters, the characters can be in the wrong Mm -hmm. and can say stupid shit but the narrative makes sure that we as viewers know what's really going on and have the correct and have like a positive way of looking at it and you know see call a spade a spade and Mm -hmm. I I think that's why this show is so easy to get it heart like hard invested in I adore in this episode, the introduction to all of these characters from the very first scene, mm-hmm. like that very first scene, that musical number
0: of oh, Frenchie, Most just walking like, around the ship.
1: I look, I love Frenchie. Um, Frenchie's commentary through song mm-hmm. is, I think, again, another really, you know, the...
0: it sets the tone of Jaunty dealing with trauma, which is like the show's whole thesis statement.
1: Yeah. And it's saying, you know, saying, oh, we're going to be addressing, you know, we're going to have, this is going to be a show with some blood and some guts and some pirate fighting, but also we're going to see pirates play tennis and (laughs) jam um, room. (laughs) And yeah, they have a jam room and, you know, they're going to have arts and crafts time to make a flag (laughs) with a skull that's vomiting buttons. Kind of juxtaposition of the show you're like is this a show about is this a dramatic show about pirates you know the content matter you know there's still like there's some very bloody scenes mm-hmm. but it's ultimately this is a comedy and yeah it's, it's entirely
0: irreverent in in the most irreverent way. is such a good is such a good word for that and the character yeah.
1: introductions are that too because every character is allowed to be sort of irreverent mm-hmm. and I yeah it's I love that they're not also that they're not you know these are all like pirates most of whom can't read most of <laughs> whom seem to be the bottom of the barrel when it comes to pirates like they're oh, yeah. all talking real big games but
0: this was one thing I saw earlier today somebody made a comment where they were just like I really want in season two for there to be flashbacks of steed's recruitment process <laughs> And like how he yes. fixed all how, of that to be. That was my biggest question in this
1: episode was like, how did you all end up here? What yeah. was the pitch? What was Steve's pitch? Did you really believe he was a pirate? Like, are you actually also, like the whole emphasis in this episode is on how Steve is like, does not know what he's doing when he comes to yep. being a pirate. But I'm like, I think the crew also do not know what they're doing. And I want them to mm-hmm. also be the people who are like basically faking it until they make it. <laughs>
0: It's such a good assessment of them, and I think that that's one of the things that'll be most exciting to see in season two. And I'm sure that they'll they'll do it with as much care as they did with you know with our leads like Seed and Blackbeard. You know, you're gonna get I think more of that backstory on these characters as we go forward. But just knowing knowing that it's gonna be done in a funny way and in a loving way it just has me so excited for where did all of these these weirdos come from I just I want to know I want their life yes. story and I think yes. David Jenkins is probably going to give it to us
1: I I certainly hope so
0: yeah I think the whole show can really be summed up by David Jenkins the showrunner just basically being that meme where it says I'm going to give the gays everything they want that's <laughs> that's what he did
1: and in terms of like, this may be a good segue to that but like I I saw a post and I don't I again I'm not going to remember where I think I saw it on Twitter, but I don't remember who posted it, but someone was, had posted, I think on maybe on Reddit or something, um, about how this show, watching this show and its queer representation, and this was like coming from, I think like, um, a cis and straight person who didn't have the most, who admits in this post that they didn't have the most progressive views about, um, uh, queer people. And through watching this mm. show was kind of forced to confront the humanity and, real experiences of queer people and to see them presented joyfully and that that was very impactful for this this viewer I think that's the power of a show like this is that because it doesn't it's it's not you know there are shows that spend a lot of time defending you know that are maybe more real world that are are addressing the real like homophobia and transphobia that exists in the world this Mm -hmm. show is not doing that
0: no but it's allowing
1: us to imagine a world where these identities are just celebrated
0: it's a visual safe space. It's really strange. Yes. I've, I've never seen a show quite like it in my life. And I watch a lot of shows, people. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> We've both been active in fandom spaces
1: and watching every bit of queer media we can get our fingers on yeah. for a long time. And this is a unique piece, not to say that this is the only you know piece like it, but I think there's some specifics about this show that are
0: really unique. Um especially right now. I think the other part to it that makes the creation and the timing of this show had such a perfect storm brewing for itself because we're in we're in this period right now where trans and gender non conforming and queer people are being attacked from every angle in the government, in you know, across the world. It's just there's a very dark cloud hanging over most queer people that I know right now Mm -hmm. because of all of the negative news. And so to just have this weird little show explode into our lives at a time when a lot of us are feeling hopeless is, I think, like, I don't know if this show would have taken off quite the same, like if it had come out the year that marriage equality was made legal in the U.S. or whatever. It would not have
1: been needed the same way, I think.
0: Yeah. And so I think that it's, the show has only existed for a bit over a month. So I know I'm making very sweeping generalizations here that I have no context for because I can't tell the future, but I feel like this is gonna be a show that stands the test of time because of how joyful it is and because Mm -hmm. of how necessary it was in the time that it was created. Because I think a lot of times TV shows, especially nowadays when we're in this era where we're trying to make things, everything more progressive, there's a lot of excuses made for shows that Mm -hmm. don't do it. And to just see, you know, Taika Waititi doing an interview where he's just like, oh yeah, like fuck homophobes. Like (laughs) this isn't for you. This is is specifically content for a specific community of people to Mm -hmm. feel seen. And if you don't like it, I don't care. But that, is what's drawing people into it and making, like you said, those people, the person in that post, even though this isn't something they would have gravitated towards on their own, they were pulled in and they got something really profound out of it.
1: And I think, yeah, that, that, that person had, had basically said, you know, this, this gave me the avenue to start exploring my own homophobia. And I was like, yeah. that is a powerful thing that storytelling can do. And I think like you were kind of saying earlier, every, every piece of media exists, especially in the age of the internet, is so shaped by what's going on in the world when that show releases, and when Mm -hmm. that show is in the public eye, and this show is going to be impacted by, you know, we're in a pandemic, we're dealing with all of this anti-queer legislature, we're dealing with you know, climate change, we're dealing with so many things that are so heavy. And so Mm -hmm. then to have a show that is a a safe space that is uniquely celebratory without being sort of saturine, without being like just happy-go-lucky, no. Cause like even in this episode, there is this inner turmoil with Steed in particular around his childhood, around his own trauma, around Mm -hmm. the choices they're alluding to him having made with his family. You know, he, it's not like this is just a happy o lucky show where nobody has, there's no emotional stakes. There's still emotional stakes, but mm-hmm. it's told in a way that makes it safe for us to explore them with these characters. It's a really, really, and that's, I think, really, really important. That's what we want. Like, that's what queer people want is we don't want to say they want stories where like nothing bad happens to queer characters. We want yeah. stories where those queer characters are given full humanity and full opportunities to explore and grow and
0: yeah. honoring that's that's, I think the thing that makes this really exceptional is I've never seen something that quite so eloquently allowed queer people to, I don't know, be people. <laughs> Just it, they're, none of them is is going through this series defined by their queerness. They're not necessarily... Even though you've got this very slow burn that we're going to have a chance to, to milk over the, the next 10 episodes with these these two men at the center. You've got these other characters, even on the side, who, like, I remember the first, when I was watching the first episode, the first time I was like, oh, this Black Pete character, he's he's really goofy. He's really weird. I don't think I'm going to like him very much. And then the nuances that they give this man
1: I love Black Pete, and I had the same reaction
0: to him in this first episode where I was like,
1: oh, he's this, I was like, he's this stereotype, he's this trope, Mm -hmm. and he he is and isn't. Yeah. Every character has more to, well, and again, that goes back to this sort of things did not go as planned. Things are not. Exactly. These characters, we get that with the reveal with Jim at the end of the episode. Yes. Nobody is as they seem, and nobody is as simple as like a box you could put them in
0: yes there is nuance to even the the most fringe of characters in this show i mean like i the fact that i could get through this series and somehow feel emotionally invested in a seagull is a lot (laughs) okay (laughs) because i i have a lot of feelings about the seagull
1: which is another point to be made for this show is that... Carl,
0: that's his name. I was blanking. (laughs) Carl. Carl Carl the Seagull. Bless him.
1: Bless him. But yeah, but like this, that's something to be said for this show as a whole. Um, I think a real challenge that ensemble style shows like this have, especially at the beginning, is if they're introducing a lot of characters right out of the gate, characters either tend to feel too similar to each other or they tend to kind of fade to the background or they tend to just not have anything like distinct about them.
0: Everyone has a very specific voice. And it's yes, great. even in this
1: first episode. And like that, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm also having seen later on in the show, that's gonna get developed more and more. But I the fact that I didn't, and this is also just a personal preference for, for me, is I find I like small casts, I like small, intimate storytelling with a small yeah. number of characters, especially if you're doing an ensemble show like that tends to I get overwhelmed if there are too many characters and too many people. Yeah. But this show didn't have that effect because I think they're so well characterized. They do such a good job, so effective too, in half an hour, showing a bunch of the micro relationships between different characters, like between Olande and Jim, between um, Steed and Bonnet, like, um, I'm sorry, no, um, (laughs) Steed and and Buttons, and like all of these like little macro, and Steed and Lucius, and like all these little macro, like micro relationships, That mean that these characters feel real and not just like carbon copies of each other.
0: Yeah. It's like every character gets some little moment to shine throughout the series and it's, Mm -hmm. it's beautifully done.
1: And they do a good job of piquing your interest for those characters in this first episode.
0: Yeah. You're like, you, you end up watching it and you just very much want to know more about every single one of these people. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: that about wraps up our main discussion uh that was very fun uh just (laughs) chatting about that we both we both just went off and I am really thrilled about it for the last segment of the show we are going to have a section called tying things up and (laughs) this is a, a double entendre because again we love our puns around here and this segment I'm gonna allow Abigail to fully introduce uh, because it was their idea. And when they said it, I was just like, this is brilliant. I love, let's do it. So
1: the idea behind this is the concept that's showed up in fandom spaces uh, quite a bit recently of uh, same character, different font, which (laughs) if you're not on the internet in fandom spaces, it's basically the idea that, you know, you'll attach yourself as a viewer to a character, and then you'll realize that they're really a, a, a reflection of another character that you previously loved. You know, it's the ideal idea of having a type, but for fictional characters.
0: Yeah, uh, more of an invent- archetype.
1: Yes, it's about really about archetypes to put it in more like...
0: Classical literature terms. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Less fandom speak, more classical terms. Um, So but in this section... But we're all about the fandom
0: speak. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, we're going to blend those two just real tight. So we're going to talk in this section about ways that this episode or a character in this episode is reminiscent of some other piece of media that we have loved some other character or relationship dynamic and we're going to tie things up with that today i love so it. yeah do you want to start us off I, the with this i will
0: because in in coming up with this segment <laughs> a really fun thing happened in which we realized that all of these characters have very similar fonts to characters from another show that is a new new show in 2022 and could have just as easily almost been the other show I made a podcast about
1: (laughs) honestly and I would have also joined you on that podcast if you had invited me
0: so we need to not but yeah we we only have so much time in our days but Abbott Elementary is a new show (laughs) by Quinta Brunson it is absolutely brilliant if there are any listeners who have not seen that show go watch it. It is just as joyous and nuanced and awesome and well-written as this show. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there was a, we realized that there were, in mentioning it, there Mm -hmm. were several characters that reminded us of different characters in Abbott Elementary and different relationship dynamics. So mine was comparing the character of Steed to the character of Jacob in Abbott Elementary. So for those who haven't seen it, Jacob is this queer teacher at the school. I think he teaches like eighth grade English or something. And he's, the way <laughs> I described it <him laughs> is that he's just gay and trying his best. <laughs> and everybody- Hello, are, Jacob. He's my favorite character in
1: Abbott.
0: Yeah, he's such a sweetheart. And he's always, tr- he's trying so hard to- be there for people and to be liked by people and to just have this genuine connection with people and that reminded me so much of Seed and it's <laughs> there's a specific moment too from one of the episodes of Abbott Elementary that it's the episode where Jacob is introducing his boyfriend to the rest <laughs> of the the rest of the staff at the school because it takes place in a Philadelphia elementary school which for you listeners I'm from Philadelphia so I'm another reason I'm very invested in that show
1: you're invested because partly because of that connection and I am because I'm I'm also an elementary school educator so that was my yeah so
0: so we have these like connections like I literally went to college with Quinta Brunson like we went to the same school (laughs) and we're like I think a year apart or something uh but then I believe if memory serves she dropped out to go like Pursue show writing It and worked that, out for her it worked out fantastically so she's exceptional but it's the episode where jacob is meeting jacob's boyfriend is being introduced to the rest of the staff at the school and ava who is the principal and it was just so ridiculous she looks to jacob and she goes so what you're saying is somebody met you and just went more <laughs> <laughs> And I've never so closely connected to something someone said in my life. Yeah. And that's what I feel like Steed is. Steed yeah. is this character where I'm like, you are so preposterous, but more. And I just we,
1: and just we just wait until a few episodes when we meet, when we meet Ed. And then he's also like
0: more (laughs) yes it's it's that whole dynamic wrapped up in it but that was that was my comparison but I really excited for yours too because just the parallels abound in this in this
1: so my comparison is also to Abbott Elementary but it's to a specific relationship dynamic that I saw in this episode and in Abbott and that is the relationship between steed and buttons and I I'm getting strong hints of Janine and Barbara from Avid Elementary. So Janine is this young teacher. She's new to teaching. She's got so much enthusiasm, a million ideas. She's just sort of like stumbling her way through it. Um, But she's incredibly genuine and she really wants a mentor. She really wants to like ask questions and learn. And Barbara Mm -hmm. is this seasoned like 30 years in the field teacher who at the beginning of the show in particular is like. This is a lot, Janine. This is a lot. <laughs> we need to chill a little bit. Um, but also like comes in and swoops to Janine's rescue a lot. And in this yes. episode of Our Flying Mean's Death, Buttons, you know, buttons is the one that comes to Steed and is like. So the crew is going to mutiny. Yeah. (laughs) Um, This is what you need to do about it. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's not particularly like affectionate. It's not particularly warm the way he comes to Steed, Mm -hmm. but it is effective and it is
0: care expressing in his own way. And it's him Um, recognizing that Steed does have authority that should be respected because, you know, in, it's slightly changed in that in abbott elementary janine is kind of like the protege and barbara is the professional yes and like in this dynamic it's like technically steed is in rank above buttons but in experience he is like right he's, evens he's out. such a janine and oh, he's it, a janine. <laughs> it's just so funny to watch their dynamic and as soon as you pointed that out i was just like oh my god this is so accurate
1: <laughs> I'm glad you also see it because I was like I might be way out on a limb here but same relationship different fonts
0: <laughs> that's that's marvelous I love it
1: so now that we've tied things up that is all we have for this week we are so beyond excited to be kicking off this podcast set in sail in celebration of this groundbreaking show and we cannot wait to see to what new locations this series takes us
0: what new horizons we may venture to yes <laughs> what so new we... sunsets
1: we may we may encounter oh
0: that's so, that's so touching. I love it. Be sure to subscribe to find things well on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you have something that you would like to share with us on the show, hit us up on anchor where you can leave us a voicemail, or you can find our social media to connect with us. If you want more of this gay pirate discourse in your life, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok where we are at find things show, or you can reach out to us on our website, which had to be find things well.tumblr.com because this <laughs> Where show, all good
1: gay content goes yes
0: this this show I when I was debating about getting a website set up for this podcast I was like it has to be tumblr that's the only place on the internet that makes sense for this podcast to be hosted because that's the energy it is feral this this show has brought so much feral 2013 super hulak tumblr chaos into my life again but it's actually satisfying and not queer baiting. So that's, yeah, that's that's the the main difference. Yeah. Same energy, same energy. (laughs) Yeah. Same energy, different, you know, gays. You can join us again next time as we discuss
1: episode two, A Damned Man.
0: I am Abigail. And I'm Elena. And thanks for listening to us. Talk it through
1: as As a a crew.
0: crew. to just be sure to describe us (laughs) (laughs) you know it was close yeah you know to (laughs) be sure to describe us in your reviews that you leave on the apple podcast